Hello and welcome to another edition of Rate the Comp. This week we're doing the Rolling Stones. It's Hot Rocks. Bunch of selections from 64 to 71. I'm Leon. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joe. And here we are. This is something that I've definitely been looking forward to since the first episode. It's one of the greatest compilations that I can think of. And uh, Joe happens to own a copy of it. He, he was just showing us the uh, sleeve and the inserts. And uh, geez, I would love to get my hands on a copy of this sooner or later. Is that an original press? This is, uh, I don't know if it's original. You know, I, I put it into Discogs and I don't recall. The album, I mean, as we'll get into later, it's prolific to say the least. And I'm sure it's been reissued dozens of times, probably. Oh, yeah. Multiple formats. So no love lost if you're not holding a 1973 or 74 copy there. Or was that later? When did this come out? Must have been... Uh, well, of course, after 71, probably not much after that. They don't always say, you know, this information isn't always readily available on the actual stuff. We just did uh, Beatles Red and Blue that came out in 73. Imagine going to the record store and you had to choose. Uh, in hindsight, I think I'd go with Hot Rocks. <laughs> That's what you would save your jukebox money for? Yes. Okay, it was released in December of 1971 just before Christmas. Oh, geez, they didn't waste any time. No. Fantastic. I didn't really look into this too far, but 338 months on the Billboard 200 ending June 2020, is that correct? The internet says it's correct. How could an album be on the charts for so long? I just, I'm, I'm blown away. But and yet, when we get into this track listing, you'll see I am not blown away at all. I mean, it's it's really, it really delivers. Hot Rocks is what it is. Aptly named. And beautiful cover, too. Yeah, this yes. is one of the coolest covers of all time. So yeah. neat. Uh, I tried to identify who who's who in it, and all I can really get is the biggest the biggest head on it is, is probably Mick. <laughs> that hair. And I can't tell by the noses of the rest of them who's who. I think Keith is in the middle, but I'm just guessing. Cool cover and uh, done by Jimi Hendrix's photographer, if I remember correctly. Oh, cool fact. Is Brian Jones on this album cover? Um, I mean, with his checkered history of this era with the band. I would say so. I mean, there's five of them. There's five people on the cover. Mm -hmm. And there's five of them. Yeah, so art aside, the album rocks too. Here's disc one. And we're starting off with time, time, time is on my side. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. This is a cover. Jerry Ragavoy wrote it, or, but did he originally release it? I'm sure someone did before them. There's a lot of covers on here. And this is one of the cornerstones of, of the Stones. One of the corner Rolling Stones is that they did a ton of covers. I, I remember one of their early covers, uh, a buddy of mine brought it out to Vinyl Night once. It was uh, King King B. I don't know what you're talking about. King, I, I'm, I'm sharing my screen, but I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta look this up. Not Fade Away is another one that of course is legendary. I'm a King B. Yeah, it's an old Slim Harpo track. The Stones did it in their early years, and they just killed it. And this uh, covering 
R&B, uh, older black music, really was what got their foot in the door. People think of the Stones for their original stuff, but they really owe a whole lot to OG R&B, and that's very evident here in High Rocks. Getting back to the comp though, Heart of Stone is up next, and this song rocks. Any thoughts on this one? You, you said it, it's, it's great, and it, I, I like how it starts off with these sort of underproduced tracks in the beginning. You can tell that they're still uh, very young and just finding their way a bit, not trying anything too crazy. And they, ju they, they just do it right. Like they, they don't try to be something they're not. They are just playing like these R&B style tracks that just soar. I love, again, just as Joe said, the production of all these tracks. It makes you feel like you're in the room with them. And it just, I can imagine listening to this kind of music of its time and how powerful it would have sounded coming out of one of those like mono speakers off of someone's radio. It must have sounded incredible back then and just so powerful. Oh yeah. Speaking of powerful uh, track that really has a great melody to it is the next one, Play With Fire. It's another one I'd never heard before. Um, really? That I was really, I, I, I don't have a lot of early, a lot of early Rolling Stones um, knowledge. So a lot of these songs were kind of new to me, especially uh, these last two. So it was cool to kind of hear this. Oh, I'd love to hear Play With Fire for the first time last week. Jeez, that, that song rocks. Um, yeah. It does, but there's also, a, it's like a, it's a downer, like Play With Me, and, I mean, uh, Play With Fire and Heart of Stone, they're not like the happy kind of poppy, like Beatles songs, you know, uh, to uh, compare it to. Um, even Time On My Side isn't like the happiest song, like yeah, Time's On Our Side, but uh, it's not everything is so honky-dory. That's, that's part of the reason that this particular compilation is so great, because they do that post and hammock so well. You've got Time On My Side, Heart of Stone, Play With Fire, and then the post, the poppy you're looking for. I can't get no satisfaction. Action. Just that, that riff is, it's solidifies them in, in the rock and roll history books. Not just one of the top 10 songs of theirs, like one of the top 10 songs of the decade. It's one of the greatest songs of all time. It's right in the middle of the decade. And it's like all that music from the first half of the 60s led to that song. And it feels like the second half of the 60s was just recoiling from that song. And it, there's so many great covers of this song, too, You can that span different genres. Like the Otis Redding cover of it just turns it into a great soul romp, which is, you know, I think it was what it was always intended to. And then the backwards new wave of Devo oh, yeah. of that cover is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Such a legendary song. What else is there to say about it? I love the Devo cover. I listened to about 10 seconds of the Britney Spears cover on, on her debut album. She does a cover of that? No it's way. It's on her first album, yeah. I remember listening to it in like, uh, Barnes & Noble, like in their music section where you could sample the, the tracks, you know, the little like listening sections. Does she change the lyrics at all? Yeah, she did change. Like, that's the one part I heard. Instead of um, some guy comes on and tells me how white my shirts can be, um, or like, can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes as me, that's the line she changes. I forget what, too. 
to, to maybe pivot away from the Stones for just a hot second, there's a cover uh, that Hilary Duff does, another, you know, Disney, you know, whatever. She does a cover of My Generation, and she also changes the lyrics. Uh, so instead of I hope I die before I get old, it's I hope I don't die before I get old. So... <laughs> Please talk about changes everything. It does. It, it <laughs> totally does. So another uh, another checkered past for a lot of these mid sixties uh, classics. Yeah. I think it was Kurt Cobain said, "I hope I die before I become Pete Townsend." Ooh, wow, which is cold. That is ice cold. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> back to this comp. As tears go by is next. Absolutely Whoa. awesome track. The B-side of 19th Nervous Breakdown, which um, I listened to the 45, I don't know, the whole long time ago of 19th Nervous Breakdown. And then I flipped it over for this and it was like, oh, geez, wow. They're one of those bands. <laughs> and definitely has a spot in here. However, I might say if there was one song that I could possibly replace, it would be As Tears Goes By. Maybe, maybe. Just some something from that earlier era that's just, you know, that's just missing, but there's too much. And the last track, Get Off of My Cloud. Hey, hey. One of the first Rolling Stones songs I heard uh, from my first decade on Earth. I don't remember the uh, particularly when I heard it, but I just remember listening to it multiple times and really enjoying it. It's, it's, it's a really fun song. Yeah, that, that riff just loops so nicely. Over to side two. It's one of the more interesting songs of theirs, Mother's Little Helper. Yeah. This is one I don't really like. This, this is one I would, if, if in my personal opinion, I would take off. I know it's a huge hit and that's why it's there and it should be there. But if there's one I would take off so far, it would be this one. It's one I've never really liked. I'm not super into their psychedelic stuff that they try to do i think they're better as a kind of an r&b kind of band i feel like the brian what brian jones is trying to bring to the table with that kind of stuff never really sat well with me that's a good point i realized that into the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s they didn't really progress that psychedelic thing it was it was more of a straight ahead rock band and that's what they were always meant to be i think there were times when they did the psychedelic rock right um, which is more more uh, displayed on the, the more hot rocks, which we might get into uh, at some later date. And there's a lot more of that stuff on that comp. Um, this one, I wouldn't really even consider Mother's Little Helper too psychedelic. Again, though, like a downer, like it's talking about like a problem in society. Yeah. And even even the next two, also 19th Numbers Breakdown, just about uh, sort of mental illness. And that kind of goes with... I can't get, get I can't get no satisfaction, you know. In the '60s, people were really, really frustrated and not, you know, it was kind of going through an existential. It wasn't all peace point. and love. No, and the Stones uh, put it down in, in the wax. They put it in the grooves. Do you think that their heavy blues influence kind of played into that? Because a lot of the blues music that Mick and Keith were bringing to the fray, not very happy. I completely agree with that yeah next a song that doesn't really make me think of psychedelic or blues paint it black the song is used a lot uh, overlaid with news footage of the vietnam war 
and uh, I mean it's it's really fitting for that sort of footage. It's just really uh, manic song talking about destruction and painting things black. <laughs> the sitar. Yeah, this plays very heavy in that. Yeah, it's a, it's a great song. I love it and absolutely belongs here. Just kind of kind of a downer song, but the most rocking downer song. Yeah, it's coming to peace with with being depressed in a way. Sure. <laughs> it's like a coping mechanism. This is such an uplifting compilation <laughs> so far. <laughs> the uh... yeah, yeah, it's not so much a downer, it's just, it's just kind of dark. It just it's it's from the shadows even even like the cover of it back to that like it just makes you think of uh what's happening beneath the surface there is a little bit of sunlight at the end of side two but there's one more downer track about subjugation that totally rocks under my thumb <laughs> subjugation i love this song not for its lyrics um but it's just the the sound of it uh and i've heard some great covers of under my thumb Famously, uh, Billy Sheehan of Niacin did an awesome cover of that. He was the bassist for Mr. Big, too. Um, and it's one of those really faithful covers that seeks to recreate the original sound. And I think it was a really nice update to the, uh, to the track. Nice. The Who also uh, did a cover of Under My Thumb. I think it was on uh, like the, some bonus tracks off of uh, Odds and Sods. But yeah, great, great track. And next, and the ending side two, we have a couple of very bright songs, Ruby Tuesday and Let's Spend the Night Together. One about the sexual revolution, the other about just... About the chain restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then what is, uh, what is the content in that? It's just, just very poppy, very radio friendly, very nice, quiet chorus. Ruby Tuesday or spend the night together? Which one are we talking? Ruby Tuesday. Yeah, some great lines too. You know, catch your dreams before they slip away. When I think of this song, I think of that Wes Anderson movie. That was my first exposure to Ruby Tuesday. Which movie was that? <laughs> <laughs> I always think when I think Wes Anderson movies, I always think The Kinks. So I'm, tr I'm trying to remember when they had the Stones. Great, great soundtracks for all the movies. I'm not. Oh. I'm yeah it's just they kind of uh fade into one another sort of when i think of that time period but yeah ruby tuesday was absolutely on i think it was royal tenenbaums soundtrack probably offhand i would have to confirm but. and then finally let's spend the night together so good so let's good spend some so good time together probably the, the happiest song so far when they performed it on the ed sullivan show they were told to change uh, the lyric, uh, the word night to time. Let's spend some time together. Did they if you're cave? spending the night together, you know you know what they're doing. Did they cave unlike Jim Morrison? They did. They did cave unlike Jim Morrison. I'm not going to, no, I'm not hating on them. If, if I had a chance to be on the Ed Sullivan show, I would stand up and bark for whatever they wanted. Think about that. Yeah, I don't hate them for doing that. You can still hear it, you know, the way it was intended. Yeah, whenever I listen to The Doors light my fire, I always think about that. It's like, hell yeah. <laughs> what was, they wanted to replace the lyric, we couldn't get much higher with like... We can't get much better. <laughs> was it something like that? Oh my I think God. it was, yeah, <laughs> just trash. Yeah, 
Jim Morrison, the first scenester. <laughs> so, disc one. Only if Jim Morrison had a TikTok, I wonder what would be on that. So that, that closes disc one, and uh, as you're putting it back in the sleeve, you might be thinking to yourself, wow, that was really nice. That was but good, let's do it again. Hot Rocks is a double, and indeed, if this was all of Hot Rocks, I would definitely be unsatisfied. You gotta have what's coming up. Like Jumpin' Jack Flash. You need it. You ne and you need it to start off the second one, too. Perfect placement. That song just really endures. I don't really have anything to say particularly about it, just that it rocks. Hot rocks. Absolutely. That's how they opened their set on the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus at the Jumpin' Jack Flash. Just to, just out out of the out of the gate with a bullet. Mm. Like a bullet, whatever the expression is. A couple of my favorite albums of theirs are Let It Bleed and Beggar's Banquet. And the second track on disc two is Street Fighting Man off Beggar's Banquet. And I absolutely love that song. And again, with the covers, I have heard some fantastic covers of Street Fighting Man. And it always leads me back to the original. Sympathy for the Devil, possibly the most overplayed Stone song. I hear it on classic rock radio almost every time I turn it on. I don't know about the, state, the classic rock stations around where you guys are at. I would that, say... That might be the universe talking to you. Wow. Damn. I would I would say that, um, for me, Gimme Shelter is probably, I think it's the most played in my head. I know why that is. Oh, for why the, is that? For, for the same reason for me. So a little bit of inside, uh, inside baseball. Andrew and I used to be uh, DJs. Uh, for the College of SUNY Oneonta. And our, on, on the news, uh, whenever they did the weather, the weather bump was always over, give me shelter. Which is better than using like riders on the storm. So I'm not too upset. I would have preferred some CCR because they talk about the rain a lot, but you know. Nice. I think no, that's great that you guys did the weather. My, my college radio station did not do the weather. There's a song from Beggar's Banquet that I would have loved to have seen on this um, that's not here. I would like to have seen uh, No Expectations. That's probably, that's one of my favorite Rolling Stones songs. And I know, again, I know why it's not here. Not a big hit, but just want to shout out some love for that. Necessarily. I love that track. And uh, one in between Sympathy for the Devil and Give Me Shelter, Honky Tonk Women, a song that I do love. However, there is an alternate recording, a more stripped down version of Honky Tonk Women that is on Let It Bleed that I definitely prefer to the single. They recorded it live on a sidewalk somewhere and there's horns honking at the beginning and then they're playing a fiddle it was that simple. Wow, I never heard that. I've only heard this, this version. Oh, you're in for a treat. Oh, joy. Those first three sides, pretty tight, but the best, in my opinion, is yet to come. I think that one of the strengths of this compilation is that it rounds out so wonderfully with side four of part two of disc two, starting right out with Midnight Rambler. 
Kind of cool though that they that they used a a live version here too, from Get Your Yayas Out. It's nice to see some representation from that. An unforgettable Thanksgiving meal once, just straight out of nowhere, my uncle just threw on Get Your Yayas Out, and we just had Thanksgiving with that playing in the background, and uh, all those live tracks are just lovely. And yes, this Midnight Rambler here live at MSG. Whoa. Late November too. That might have been on a on a Thanksgiving night. Oh, very interesting. How about that? Oh, maybe that was uh, done on purpose, curated on purpose. I'm not sure. I gotta I gotta find out about that. Um, Could have been. I prefer to go see the Rolling Stones rather than the band on Thanksgiving. Just throwing that out there. Well, since since you mentioned it, I I always try to watch the Last Waltz, or at least have that on in the background uh, on Thanksgiving personally and i would have to uh say uh, i think i i choose the, the last waltz for that day anyway for the guest artists not for the band no for the band too jeez yeah big fan love neil diamond's contributions to that <laughs> i love neil young's cocaine's contribution to that <laughs> that was a big contribution well it was very large. There is a mound in northern Ontario. I'm not even going to try to rip his voice off. Um, you said a mound. We we gotta do <laughs> we gotta do uh, decade. Yeah, we gotta do decade. So back to the stones. Um, then it's track two with one of my top five songs of theirs i gotta say you can't always get what you want with that gospel outro the whole thing just really ties the band together can you believe it's a b-side like i said they're one of those bands crazy that's a b-side to honky tonk woman just keep on flipping that 45 over and over well, it was on Let It Bleed. I think it was the last song on Let It Bleed, if I remember correctly. But yeah. But it's not the last song on here. Bang for your buck if you got that 45. Yeah, next is Brown Sugar. What more can I say? Lyrically hasn't aged well, but it's a great song. Yeah, is is a great, great song and is on the manipulable album cover Sticky Fingers, which uh, I used to have a copy of. Sticky I got it right here. You got the zipper? Album. I got the got zipper. The Holy crap. You got the zipper? <laughs> My man's got the zipper. Hey, don't 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 use that zipper too much. Oh. Yeah, that's a hot t- ticket item. Hey, now. <laughs> wow. My, wow. My copy, the, the belt was a little damaged because the belt kind of goes beyond the zipper there, but my zipper was intact. Yeah, my, my belt's a little funny. <laughs> that's a, that's a, such a great concept for album art. And if you were offended by that. Good. Right. Is that a Warhol cover? It is a Warhol. If uh, I, I, will, I will once more go to the zipper and expose the Warhol. Actually, you kind of really, is it? Does the um, does the uh, Velvet Underground banana come out? <laughs> it should, but no, he's signed right on the on the underwear. Yeah, this is my favorite Stones record. That's your favorite? 
Yeah, Sticky Fingers is my favorite. I think Sticky Fingers rocks. I think a sleeper favorite of mine is... What was the one from 81 that was like all the B-sides from the 70s? It was Start Me Up was on. It was the first track on it. Ugh, Tattoo You. Tattoo You, oh, yeah. Tattoo yeah. You is like my, my number one and a half Stones album because other than Start Me Up, Every single song on that was just from the cutting room floor. It was all throwaway tracks from the 70s. And then they had to do a new studio album, and they were like, okay, we're going to do Start Me Up, and then we're just going to re-record all this throwaway material. And it's like actually a very cohesive, incredible record. So just because of the effortlessness, I, it's almost my number one. But my number one is, is either Let It Bleed or Beggar's Banquet. They're tied for number one. <laughs> Love the, the Becker's Banquet. I think mine might be. I mean, I want to say the. It's it's, it's almost cheating though. Um, the rock the rock and roll circus. Um, although the the Who might be even better on that. Um, but it just the and not their best performance either. But just uh, for the tracks on it that they do, and for just that moment in time. Yeah, that's where it's the snapshot. So. Back to Hot Rocks, there's just the final track, My Gosh, Wild Horses. It's a perfect uh, closing for this compilation. It's a nice cool down track. It's one of their finest pieces of work. Yeah. Good on them for doing that. The curation yeah. of songs, the, the order is very important because if you took all four sides of all of this music and you mixed them up in a different way that was done thoughtlessly, like not ending with Wild Horses, not starting with Time is on my side, I think you may have seen it not be as popular despite it having the identical content. This lets you down so nice with Wild Horses. It does, and it stays uh, chronological also almost by accident wow ain't that the way yeah, yeah nice smooth landing those underproduced songs and if you're willing to stick around you're you're rewarded back to the underproducedness of like the first uh, side you can even though i haven't seen a lot of footage of them playing in the studios you can you can see them like at least i can i can visualize them behind the booth i mean behind the glass and even on um i think it's times on my side or heart of stone the way it the song just ends. Like it doesn't fade out, just like, I don't know. The way it ends, you can see, you can almost see them all looking at each other, like when they hit that last beat. And they're like, we got it. So good. I find it kind of interesting. Well, maybe I'm just being too much of a Sticky Fingers stan, but there's so many tracks on Sticky Fingers that could be on this record. Like, Can't You Hear Me Knocking? Oh, be on this. Can't yep. You Hear That's a long um, song, though. There's there's a physical right. limitation to including that. I think that might be seven minutes long. It is. And I Sway. Uh, bitch. Woo! Uh, you could... And, and to possibly switch up the closing track on a compilation you could either go with dead flowers or moonlight mile and they would all be really good choices dead flower wild horses is wonderful but dead flowers or moonlight mile i think would also be very appropriate 
And I think the reason why a lot of the songs are not on this compilation is because not enough time. And also that whole, I just pretty much named like three fourths of that whole record. And that (laughs) record came out the same year as this compilation. So it's a little tough to do that. Remember the Bowie comp that came out in 1993, it had that one song from 93. So right is a little bit of going out on a limb. It's like, oh, this is one of his greatest hits. But then when it's 1971 and they had put this album out, you know, it would have been funny for them to include more than two songs off Sticky Fingers was on here. Right. You know? And you, that's, you, that's all there's room for. If you're talking about from the beginning up until this point, which is 1971. There's a reverse recency bias when it comes to a lot of compilations, I would say. Something we'll have and, to explore. Very good. So that sums up the first leg of the Rolling Stones' very, very long career. But there is another comp, which is maybe just as good. It's more Hot Rocks, appropriately titled. Joe, you got a copy of that too? I got that one too. I'm I'm dirty. It doesn't have that insert, but it's it's got the wax. I just the first thing that comes to mind is she's a rainbow. Yeah, that should be on this. Well, it's on more. It's on more, right. yeah. And 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 that's um, spoiler for if and when we ever do um, more hot rocks. But uh, that that's how side three starts, and that whole side is just that's where it's all. <laughs> that's where it all goes. Then speaking of their like psychedelic, like when they did the psychedelic stuff right, I would put she's a rainbow under that category. Brian, uh, not Brian, uh, John Paul Jones composed the, arranged the strings on that track, actually. A little bit of Zeppelin in your stones. Is that pre, pre-Zeppelin? John Paul Jones, right? Uh, not, not pre-Zeppelin, um, w- w- while being a Zeppelin. Okay, well, thanks for your thoughts on this. This was a really great foray into rolling stones but we have much unfinished work which uh i'm sure one day we will revisit with getting into more hot rocks and getting to get into the stones a little bit more so thank you very much should we rate it i'll rate it a 9.9 out of 10 i give it an a a yeah yeah it's it's the first cd i played in my new car I've, i've got the the two disc like the fat, you know, when they have the two discs together. A nice, a nice chunky, almost like as thick as a Game Boy. Oh, yeah. Two CD set. That's a nice familiar width. Yeah. With the uh, the black sections on the top and bottom were kind of serrated. Ex- yeah. Nice, nice. texture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no dumb digipack for you. Oh, no. No flip the disc over. Oh. One thing that I think is really missing from CD cases nowadays, when CDs first came out, the little spindle in the middle that would hold the CD was like on a platter so that when you attach the CD to it, it's actually floating in the case. It's not touching the back wall. All these CDs that I see nowadays, you pop it in and then the CD is pressed up against the back wall and that's not really archival quality. You want that thing to be kind of uh, floating so that the, the original 80s CDs, when you see an original press, you'll see the CD is, is like on a platter on a spindle instead of being pressed up against the back wall. So 
unceremoniously. I remember, speak of, this is Rolling Stones-ish, I remember borrowing uh, 40 Licks from the library, another great Rolling Stones comp, which of Whoa. course Joe has holding right now, that's nuts. Um, and it was so scratched up because at the library, what they would do at the checkout counter, and this was with all these CDs that I would be rent, be borrowing in the early aughts, if, it, if the barcode was in the right spot, they would press the CD down and then they would spin it on the plastic that Leon's talking about and scratch it up so the end of every CD, you could never actually get those songs. They were always skip. Criminal. Criminal. That's, that's why archivist is a job. For some of us, it's common sense and for others, it isn't. You gotta have that finesse. So, once again, thank you both for your time and for your insight. This has been a great episode of Rape the Comp! You've touched a lot of people's lives. How does it make you feel? Useless.